Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Welcome to this episode of Shoplifting. I'm Liv Siddle, and I'm here today with the very wonderful Michael Collins. Hi. Thanks for having me. I suppose your other name is Drug Dealer. Sure, I mean, um, I go by a few different names, but that's the one. Because I knew you before from Salvia Plath, mm-hmm. and then you were also part of, well, Run, Run what's it called? Run, Run DMT. DMT. And what's the <laughs> other one? Uh, Silk Roads. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, some other stuff, but unmentionables, probably. But normally, every day, you're Michael. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, if you haven't already heard Michael's amazing album, uh, The End of Comedy, which came out last year, it is like the most loving, wonderful collection of songs. It's kind of like a project with loads of collaborators, uh, like Natalie Mehring, who's Wise Blood, and also Ariel Pink and a bunch of other cool people. And it's just kind of like this, I don't know, like a kind of summery, psyche-loving mixture of songs which I personally adore I really appreciate that it's so good and yeah especially for this time of year it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already and for me as well like it just sounds like I live in grey drizzly London and it just Mm -hmm. sounds like LA when I've never been to LA and I just can imagine all you guys like hanging out by a pool somewhere making these cool songs and having fun together of which you know I'm not jealous of at all um, in the slightest. It's good. Is that what it's like? What, what's it like living uh, in L.A. and working with all these people? Well, I mean, first of all, like no one in L.A. really hangs out <clears throat> with each other all the time. It's the kind of city where I feel like things are really spread apart, as you may have heard, you know? Yeah. And it truly does affect people in the in their, in their their the ways that they see each other. Like uh, there's some people there who... I adore and I haven't seen in months, you know, because they're doing their thing over here, you know, blah, blah, blah. But luckily you have your friends that uh, you see all the time. I mean, honestly, the person that like my friend Mac, like he he just moved there. Mm -hmm. I get to hang out with him a lot because he just hangs out at his house and it's not that far from mine. Mm. Um, I see Natalie as much as I can, but she's really busy, you know. Um, and yeah, other collaborators like Ariel, I only see once in a while uh, Mm. and I feel like, you know, I'm lucky to catch him or be able to hang out and, or do something with him. Um, so, and, and and it is, it is this, this place that people think of with this tropical element to it or, you know, this beautiful weather and maybe like somewhat of a, a, like idealistic view of LA. But the other part, uh, the other reality of it is that it's just a bunch of highways, a bunch of strip malls. You know, yeah. everybody's so far apart. So I mean, it, there's this incongruous reality to it. it it's similar to like um, I went to Hawaii like yeah. earlier this year with some of my friends, and it was extremely different experience than I imagined. It was you know in Honolulu, it was very rough and uh, really there was you know it was just the opposite of what you would think. And you know I ended up getting mixed up with all these expatriates from America that were sort of running away from their previous life and uh you know it was it was a very sketchy place wow. on Honolulu in my head it's just like brightly colored flowers and right. sunshine and i guess that's what i'm saying is like <laughs> yeah maybe coming from the gloomy like manchester like where my band is from or mm-hmm. or london 
a lot of these places are just going to seem that way. Yeah. But, you know, and then, you know, the grass is always greener. Like now I'm in England uh, collaborating with people from here and I, I, I really like England, you know. Yeah. Um, Who have you been collaborating with me? Can you tell us? Um, oh, basically, yeah, my friend Aldis, who performs as Aldis RH, we've been making music together in LA. Um, we we met because we have we have kind of a mutual best friend who's also our manager named Sophia, and she sort of match made us in LA, and we started we did some drug dealer shows before this tour in LA, but that was with just a consortment of like Aldis. Um, my friend Sasha, who I do Silk Roads with, who who sings with me whenever I need to do like a show, mm-hmm. and then Mac played with us those shows, and then Natalie sang with us, and like we would have like a few other people here and there, um, but it it, w- it wasn't really like a band. Like I knew I couldn't really tour with them, so when Aldis went back to Manchester, um. We sort of made a plan. He was like, "Hey, you know, if 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 all the stores with drug dealer, the other guys in the band can, we can all play in drug dealer." And uh, it sounded interesting to me. I just didn't know how it was gonna go. <laughs> so I made, I brought Sasha with me, my longtime collaborator, to sing most of the songs because a lot of the songs, like you know, like song a song that Ariel sings or mm. like, um. I don't I don't want to sing and Sasha's like a great singer. I like I love oh I love he can do anything. He's like a trained opera singer. Wow. So uh so yeah, we came together with them and uh met these guys. I don't know, I guess maybe it's almost like 11 days ago, but maybe 11 12 days ago, but it was really quickly. I I there's the fam- they're my favorite people I've ever played with. Cool. And I've just taken so long not playing shows. I think this experience has solidified that you know, my whole perspective has changed, and I, and now I think, you know, playing shows rather than being like I'm a recording artist, I don't know how to translate it. Yeah. Now it's more like wow, like these shows are 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 the real, like are really what my music is now. You yeah. know. So it's like I'm going through that transformation this week, and I'm really excited because, I feel like that's going to be the future of this band, and Natalie thinks so too. You know. It's got that. Yeah, it's that kind of. Um that kind of celebratory, collaborative, fun thing where, like, I'm, I'm going to come and see you at Moth Club tonight, but mm-hmm. I just can't wait to see you on stage. I just feel like all the band members are going to be, like, just enjoying themselves and, it, you know, maybe your band will change over time, like, constantly. And that's kind of sure. what people were doing back in the 70s. Like, there was so much collaboration and switching of of band members with each other, and I just think that I want that to happen again more because it's just such, like, a good vibe and makes the audience really like it because you never know what you're going to get and it changes up all the time. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, let's go on to your music you've picked today because I think you've picked some really exciting stuff. Okay, and cool. We just had a little bit of a chat about this first one. Do you want to tell us what it is and then talk yeah, about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this compilation is called Fading Yellow. Um, first found out about it, um, I, I feel bad, I actually can't remember who exactly told me, but somebody hipped me to it because what it is is it's a compilation of all of these lost um, singles from the psychedelic period of the 60s and 70s. And I mean, truly lost. I be, If it wasn't for this compilation, none of these songs would be on the uh, YouTube or whatever. And um, the story is that there's this guy, he's uh, Norwegian, and he um, he came into this collection of all of these seven inches that were extremely rare, but also very specifically um, specifically. Uh, 
like had a specific taste to them that were like sort of similar to the Moody Blues or the Beatles, but just more um, home homemade and homespun, like basically like sensitive songwriters um, and like soft pop, you know? Yeah. But like really some of the best stuff I've ever heard. And um, yeah, he just got a huge collection of it and he's been making vinyl compilations with, you know, as you can see, the beautiful yeah. period specific art and um, and just like extremely well curated stuff. And uh, you can just go through it and hear like a lineage of, of, you know, a canon of lost pop music. So it's sort of like um, um, like an Easter egg hunt <laughs> for like a vibe, but then also it's like um, just endless inspiration. If, if you want to be someone that is making emotional pop music. So yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Thank God he did this. I know. I cannot wait to listen to, well, this is volume number 15. How many do you reckon there are? There's, the 16th one just came out. Really? So this is pretty much extremely new. Yeah. I'm going to buy that after you finish with it. <laughs> this one, ha it's funny because I, I didn't realize, but this one, the track that's on it that, that, I, that I'll choose yeah. is w one of my top three of the entire series. Wow. <clears throat> so we're lucky that this one was here. Yeah. Well, do you want to introduce the track for us? Sure. Yeah. This one, um, I actually don't know enough about the person, but... Um, my new friend and new guitarist, Jolin, in the band, um, he d didn't know about this compilation, but he knew about this song, and that, that was sort of when we started really bonding. Um, it's by Bridie Murphy, and it's called The Time Has Come. And uh, this track speaks for itself, but it's got this kind of amazing, like, power pop meets, like, Beach Boys influence, and just, um, I don't know, it just has wears its heart on its sleeve. Lovely. Look at you now, there's nothing left to hold you. If he didn't care, at least he could have told you. The time has come to love another, but you don't think that's right. You would love it every night. Saying it's love will only make it worse now. 
Okay, that was Bridie Murphy, The Time Has Come. Cool. Right, what have we got next? Okay. Um, I'll go with this next. Um, this album is called Marvin Gaye's... Uh, well, it's Marvin Gaye's album called Here, My Dear. And um, I found out about it about a year ago, and I was interested in it because of this one song that uh, is called When Did You Stop Loving Me? When Did I Stop Loving You? And I feel like that... I mean, I'm, re I'm really... Um, I'm really taken with titles of songs, um, and and obviously I thought that title was extremely um, thought-provoking yeah. to me because there's something really honest about about that. Like if and you know if anyone has gone through really bad heartbreak, which I have, and um, look and and the song itself is just in incredible. It's like an, a magnum opus of the things that Marvin Gaye has done in his career. But um, he gets a little bit raw in it, and he starts screaming. like Because the story with this album, the reason it's called Here, My Dear, is because he was going through a really bad divorce. I don't know exactly, obviously, the personal details of it. Like I understand that he, in many aspects, probably wasn't a very good partner, you know? Mm. Like, and yeah. and, and pro probably, like, you know, I someone who I, I, I wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, ever hope that anyone could imitate, you know, because yeah. I think he was like a very troubled, abusive person in, in some ways. Um, but this album, when he was getting his divorce, apparently like, you know, there was a lot of anger coming from both sides. And the settlement of the divorce, interestingly enough, was that his next album, his wife was going to get half of the royalties of. So he wrote all the songs that are extremely blunt about her and him, <laughs> extremely personal and detailed, and the album's called Here, My Dear. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's so brutal. It really is. Here, my dear. There's so many jams on it, too. I mean, if, if you're someone who likes to hear about the the breakdown of love, I mean, it's kind of like got everything. I do actually get off on that kind of stuff. I think, so. yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> um, do you find yourself going for music that does have like a bit of a backstory or like a kind of lyrics that maybe are suggesting something that someone's actually gone through, like kind of honest lyrics? Yeah, I mean, to me, the Drug Dealer album is sort of like my rising to that occasion because that's what I always have liked. But I mean, to be frank, when I first started making pop music, a lot of the times the lyrics were like sort of about something you know mm. like I feel like they were about things that I was thinking about but without like the centrality of like a, a real concept and a real um, sort of just honesty about like exactly what I was going through and um, I also in a lot of interviews if you read I people ask me about this and what I tend to talk about is the fact that there's so much music that comes out today that I feel like sort of feigns a level of transparency or like ra rather a lot of music uh, people that I know play with whatever you know it it can be good really good music but a lot of times you can't hear what they're saying yeah like I find that that there's been a, a movement for the last while kind of towards just like not about lyrics you know yeah. like for like the last I don't know in the scenes that I run in like and some of that music is great like you know it doesn't need it or or rather like that's just their thing and that's fine but for me like the music that I listen to like this 
like you know like lee hazelwood all these people like they're you can hear their lyrics and not only yeah. can you hear them they they tell an actual story i mean they sometimes they can really hurt you by listening to them because um they're just not they're just not afraid to to be about something you know so when i was making the drug dealer album i usually i i, I was at that point i was trying to make an album albums as quickly as possible and the drug dealer album i, I think i took like 4 years to make because i just went into this space where i was like i'm going to write the songs before I write the songs. You know, like I I wanted to give myself time to experience what like where where I was at in my life so that I can reflect on it besides just being like, okay, I'm gonna record something. Yeah. So all the songs are they're written over the course of five years. And they're like I'm not gonna say that the lyrics are like this, you know, a- anything this great, but I know what they're about, like, and I can talk about them specifically. So to me, that's the direction that I want to go in. And, you know, like someone who sort of I've looked up to and and, in in just being working with them has helped me uh, in in many ways is Ariel Pink because um, he has a really great way of writing songs that are about actual things and or actual people. Um, and keeping it light and keeping it experimental, but um, there, there's like a there's a personal concept to to all of those songs, and um, it it just translates over time when yeah. you listen to someone, you know. And also, it's just like, what? Why else are you a songwriter? I mean, yeah. I don't want to write songs about like doing this radio interview or like going to a studio <laughs> or like. Hey, what are you saying about this interview? No, you know what I mean. <laughs> this is not a stepping stone. Is maybe it? I will, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> no, I think that's probably why I liked the, the the album so much, the drug dealer album, because I don't know, it is like, it's like a song box of songs that all have their own story and their own like very clear lyrical content, which I'm really into lyrics. I'm with you. And when I can't hear lyrics, yeah. I, I get kind of pissed off. Um, but yeah, it's just, so I guess the next example of that is this track. Right. Which is raw and honest and has a story behind it. Do you yeah. want to introduce it? Yeah, the track is called When Did You Stop Loving Me? When Did I Stop Loving You? And it's from Here, My Dear by Marvin Gaye. You know, when you say your marriage vows, they're supposed to be for real. I mean, if you think back about what you really said, you know, about honor and loving and obeying until death, do us part no but it shouldn't be that way. It should. It should. It shouldn't be lies because though it turns out to be lies. And if you don't honor what you say, you've lied to God. The words should be changed. Keep it 
we just listened to When Did You Stop Loving Me? When Did I Stop Loving You by Marvin Gaye on the album Here, My Dear. So the next album that I chose is a compilation of, of singles and B-sides by Lee Hazelwood called The LHI Years. And yeah, Light in the Attic reissued it, which is a great reissue label that I'm really glad exists. Yeah, they're great. Um, and this, uh, the song that particularly... Uh, caught my attention was the song What's More I Don't Need Her um, and I mean if you know Lee Hazelwood it it just fits into his canon it's like this you know love lorn like very like stoic like um, longing um, you know like he he's he's got like the classic problems of like many guys who just um, you know are self-deprecating and keeping themselves distanced from, yeah. from you know, just things being okay and happy, you know? Like, he's just, uh, he's obsessed with melancholic, uh, like, like emotional um, lyric writing. And that song, um, it just has, I, I really like the way that Lee Hazelwood incorporated, and this has been a big inspiration on my music, the Drug Dealer album, and especially the next one, um, it, he, he incorporates like a lot of really good orchestral elements to his pop songs and it really feels like it just gels perfectly. Like it's not this silly, you know, thing that some sixties person would put this crazy flute in. Like his arrangements are, I, I mean, cause I think his, his, he, he came up in, in like country music, you mm -hmm. know, but, um, he's just one of those people like Brian Wilson that just really incorporated uh, different instruments into psychedelic pop in this way that just turned it into something that everyone can get into, not just yeah. someone who, you know, likes this type of love, love song or whatever. I mean, I think Lee Hazelwood's music is really hard to categorize, and it's just like, yeah. um, you know, it's just someone who I relate to also because it seems like someone who also, like, isn't a natural singer. Like, for me, um, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't walk around and go, hey, yeah, like, I'm just going to... Sing on the train, you know, like I'm, I sing when I have to, like, it's like, I put a gun to my head if I have to sing <laughs> and I try to get other people to sing. And that's also what he did. He wrote songs for other people. Like he wrote this song for lit, this lady, Lynn Castle, which is like one of my favorite songs called Rose, uh, Rose Colored Corner, I mm -hmm. think. And, um, I just like that. I mean, you know, I like when. He sings a song. It's like he's the only one that can sing it, and I feel the same way about stuff. Some stuff that is on the end of comedy that I sing, mm -hmm. but also if he writes a song and he hears it in his head and it doesn't sound like him or it's above his pay grade, then he just goes straight to the first the, the person that he's thinking of, you know, yeah, and gives it away rather than being selfish and keeping yeah. holding on to it. Right, but then sometimes it's still a Lee Hazelwood song, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which also goes for me too. Um, cool. Do you want to introduce the track? Sure. Yeah, this uh, is Lee Hazelwood with What's More, I Don't Need Her. I'd take her side in everything she did Even if it might be wrong That's why she stayed so long 
doesn't know it yet And I don't know how I'll tell her That she doesn't need me What's more, I don't need her We discovered what love means Then watched it fall apart It's hard to be apart I don't know what I'll say But I'll have to think of something Cause she doesn't need me What's more, I don't need her I see our love go Can she see it too Just the way I do Oh, but she'll have to And that was Lee Hazelwood with What's More, I Don't Need Her. Um, yeah, the next album that I chose is sort of like, it's funny because I, I love this album, but uh, it's called Thank God for Mental Illness by the Brian Jonestown Massacre. They were like, I've, I haven't really talked about them in many interviews, but for for sure they were a big reason as to how why I got into doing like psychedelic pop like music. I mean, yeah. I think for a lot of kids too, I mean. Like, there's no secret here. Like, I saw Dig by myself smoking weed in my parents' attic. <laughs> and it was a transcendent experience on VHS. But uh, um, I particularly like the honesty in Anton Newcomb's music. And, like, I've met him in L.A. And, you know, people have their own opinions of him. Uh, but, the, but this... This album and and others of of the Brian Jones Massacre. After hearing that, them through that film, I mean, I I got, I went down a rabbit hole of listening yeah. to his music, always trying to find like the the the, the next song of his because yeah. it's not a whole album that I'm in love with anyone. You know, like he just has these gems. Yeah, for sure. And I just think it's interesting because he's someone who, 
who is very controversial, like not everybody likes him, but it's hard to deny the fact that his music just has like a purity to it mm. that a lot of other people are going for, you know, like he's, he's, he's not like a comp, he's, he's not a symbol person, you know? No. Um, but when his songs make sense, it seems to be like a simple flow of just like, uh, you know, just thoughts on the, on the, on the record. Yeah, and, I agree. um, you know, there's a tragedy that I love about, about this band, obviously that everyone does. And also, I just don't think they've ever got the recognition they deserve. No. I just don't understand what happened there because they've just released so much stuff. And, like, I mean, really so much stuff. And it's su of such good quality. Yeah. And there's, like, the interesting backstory. There's, like, the the crazy front man. Like, it's, it's got everything you need to be, like, a huge band. And it that's what that, the movie got it. But yeah. But they didn't, which yeah, is, yeah. Which is the, the tra that's the biggest tragedy. Yeah. Um. But, you know, sometimes you have to rise to the occasion and just overcome. Yeah. You have to get, when you get that opportunity, sometimes you have to get there. And I guess, you know, it, it, but it's easy to be overwhelmed by when that when those opportunities are knocking at the door. But the other reason why I specifically think it's funny and I chose this for today is we were just going through UK Customs um, for the second time because we just came back from Europe because we're no, we're no longer in Europe now. Stop it. Well, for, for a bit. <laughs> Just for a little bit. For a little bit longer, You're we can enjoy You're not allowed to talk about it because it's too sad. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so when I did come into the UK Customs on the way in, um, there was, you know, my friend Aldous was waiting for me at Piccadilly Station for in Manchester for way too long because at the airport, the customs agents kept me for almost two hours because, you know why are you called drug dealer <laughs> and then it, go, it goes on and on and actually and but it's funny because they were they were like we're they searched my stuff i mean they almost ripped my backpack apart no which is f funny to me because i mean who would call themselves drug dealer That's and so try funny. to be tricky but <laughs> but the, and yeah but the thing is is that what they ended up doing was listening to a few of the songs um with me mm -hmm. and talking so i ended up <laughs> sort of doing this but with uk customs agents and uh and actually the and one of the guys was like i really like the song with this girl singing which he was talking about suddenly i think oh my god but um and then so i was like wow that that's been a funny joke of this trip and then when we were coming back into the uk to do these last three shows um i didn't realize that we were gonna have to do customs again and we were just about to get on the channel which we had a, a ticket for and then we, they were like no you have to go in and so we went in, and this older guy, uh, older English bloke, was like, he was like, oh, you're called drug dealer. And I was like, oh, okay, again. <laughs> and then, but then it took a really interesting turn, and he was like, or I think what he said was, I I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's totally illegal, but I have a voice recording of it, because as soon as he started talking, I was like, I have to get this. Oh, my um, God. Maybe I can give it to you. But it's he, he was like, what what happened to Dr. Feelgood? Why do we have to have these names? Um, <laughs> and then he was like, well, listen, you know, he was like, I like music. He's like, I like psychedelic music. And, you know, this guy's, you know, he's an old an old English bloke with gray hair. He's like, you know, I just started digging up these old Brian Jonestown Massacre records. Oh, my God. And he's like, you know, the song Anemone. And like, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, this took a turn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, he was saying oh maybe i'll i have a dream i'm i'm i love that music you know uh 
maybe it's made me have a dream. Maybe I'll get a cherry red Mustang one day, drive across the south of, of the U.S. Maybe someday. And that's and he was like, okay, well, stamped our passports. He's like, have oh a good gosh, tour, boys. That's really emotional. Yeah. So anyway, so that's funny, and that's why I'm going to choose this. And you're going to dedicate it to him. Yeah, and I'll dedicate this song to him, uh, the U the UK customs agent, and song called Ballad of Jim Jones. One, two, three. One, two. Okay, and that that song was the Ballad of Jim Jones by the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Also, um, I know you came in here on a skateboard, and we were kind of talking earlier right. about skateboarding. But sure. I associate Brian Jonestown Massacre with skateboarding. I think it's all that like, the the guys that I had crushes on when I was at school listened to that, listened and, to that and skated. Yeah, um, and I know there's so much of a musical culture around, like just doing that. It's such like a such a huge genre, and some songs just go with skating, and that is. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, because I like, I like, I, I don't know if you heard what I was saying, but I've been lucky enough through mostly through this drug dealer release to meet a bunch of people that are my heroes because my skateboarding was my life before I did music, mm. and um, and it's funny because it's full circle because now I've met some of the people that I used to watch and inspired me, um, who live in L.A. and now they're my friends and I get to skate with them. Cool. Like my friend Danny Garcia, who's a, who's a pro for Habitat skateboards and. I'm like, um, just like several other people. But the thing that we talk about the most when about music and skateboarding is the fact that, you know, I wasn't a big music nerd when I was younger. I was a skate nerd. So I never was like, oh, this is this album I like. I was just, you know, I actually liked reading more and skating. Yeah. And that was like my culture. 
But the thing is, is that I was obsessed with skate videos like any kid. Yeah. And um, I'd have my favorite part, which is like having a favorite song, because ironically, those parts, they have a song. So on the VHS, you watch it and you're like, I'm going to go skate after this. This is so cool. And then you're like, I have to rewind it. Watch again. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> So you're actually just looping these songs over and over again, and, and most people don't. They forget that. I never realized that. Or you're playing like Tony Hawk or something, yeah, yeah. and you're like, I have to start this level over, and the song starts right over again, you know? So there's just this element of repetition in like skate culture that people don't really recognize and until they're older. And like so there's these songs like, you know, um, Gold, you know Golden Brown by The Stranglers. Yeah. That was one of my favorite like skate parts so I listen to that over and over again and then now you know I talk to these skateboarders now who who like drug dealer and they're like yeah well you know you listen to those things loop and then they're in your brain and then you made music that you you know is you know obviously somewhat derivative of that experience and that sound yeah and they're like oh and we shared those same experiences because we also watched those same things and were inspired by the same things and then when you hear the end of comedy, it's so it's sort of like a siren call to other skateboarders, like, "Hey, do you can you hear that this is you know partially where this comes from?" That's so good. So it, and it has worked a few times. Um, oh wait, I think we've done four, right? Uh huh. Okay, I'm just gonna do this last one. Okay. Okay. Um, the and then this last one is huge for me. It's uh the pretty things. Um, SF sorrow. Um, it's such a good album. Yeah, it's just front to back one of the best the best things I've ever heard as a whole. Um, but I'm going to have to say, because it was just a, something that really changed my mind about songwriting was this song, Death. Because there's something you go through if you're a songwriter. I, I started out, I taught myself guitar. And um, it just, it doesn't rely on like a, you know, this is this chord progression that I'm I'm writing. It it sort of is just so much more imaginative. And then, of course, the lyrics are, they just really, like, cut you deep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's about mortality, like, this album, like, going through, like, a whole life and, and to the end of your life. And I don't know. And, and then the other album of theirs that I really like, is, but it wasn't here, is called Parachute. Mm-hmm. Um, but Death is, like, sort of, like, the 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 central song of the pretty things that you know made me think wow you know like this is what's cool about them is not like this special effects or anything but what's cool about them is just the fact that they're just like unabashedly themselves you know and there's so many bands like that but the pretty things is one of those and that's the special echelon of musicians that i love that are just you know it doesn't matter what you think of them no, they're just proud for their own sound that they've made themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, do you want to introduce? <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is uh, the last song I'm choosing, and it's Death by the Pretty Things. Okay. 
And that was Death by the Pretty Things from SF Sorrow. Excellent album. In fact, you've chosen some really, really, really good stuff. And anyone who hasn't heard The End of Comedy by Drug Dealer, sort your life out, go and do it, because it really is fantastic. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. It's I hope nice your show is good I hope so, too. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, it's sold out. That's yeah, it's great. cool. Uh, I'm going to be there. And, yeah. I guess next time you're in town, come back and see us. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Rough Trade Radio. At the drive-in, enter Aliyah. Available in-store and online at roughtrade.com. Yeah!